Hey everybody, welcome back to our Lenten podcast on the book of Isaiah. Uh, once again, I'm Brian Belter with you. I'm Pastor Gimble. And I'm Isaac Conrad. And our special guest today... Is no one in particular. That well, that's be... me. That's Pastor Meyer. Yep, that is you realize they can't see you over the air, I know. Brian. <laughs> so you do actually, actually introduce yourself, but we got it. <sighs> okay, I'm new to this. Unless we all know your voice well enough that we can just recognize you the second you start talking. As our shepherd. That got serious. <laughs> yeah? Well, anyways. <laughs> well, what do we got today, Brian? Well, today we're going to be in the uh, seventh chapter of Isaiah. Which verses are we doing? Merry Christmas, everybody. Oh, yeah. This is we're doing the... the Christmas verses today. <laughs> so we're looking at verses uh, 10. We're going to start there. Uh, and that's the uh, virgin passage, virgin birth passage through verse 17, 10 through 17. So Isaiah 7, 10 through 17, who'd like the honor of reading this wonderful Christmas passage for everyone? Well, fine then, I'll take it. Thank you. <clears throat> Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask a sign of the Lord your God, let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. Thank you, John. Yeah, thank you. A lot to dissect in this one. Oh my gosh, is need there. To, well, yeah, we need to start with the historical context, right? Maybe give a little background on the names and the people and everything. You brought it up, so go right ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the first guy, okay, thank you. First guy is uh, Ahaz, uh, and Ahaz is serving as the, the king of the people. What? Sorry, it's Ahaz. You're always supposed to like gash your teeth when it's like Ahaz and Ahab. Like Isabel, you're supposed to spit, you know? Yeah, probably. So you go ahead and do that, gentle listeners here. Yeah. You hear Ahaz just jeer. Right, so anyway, he was not a very good king, but the Lord comes to him, which I think is always kind of strange, right? Because usually you hear about the Lord coming to prophets, but he comes directly to the king. And I've always thought Ahaz's responses to this has been a little unique, right? Uh, God comes and says, hey, ask for a sign, anything, it could be anything. I mean, what would you guys think if God asked you for a sign? What would be something? God said, hey, Brian, Man. I'm going to ask you for a sign. What would you ask for? I'd jump on it. I want to see the, I want to see the floor of the mighty Mississippi. Let's, let's, let's part the waters once again. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. I, I still keep thinking back to like the sun standing still or going backwards up the stairs. I think that'd be pretty sweet. If I could ask God to give me a sign about something, I'd do something big with nature too. Or something more personal too, you know, like, uh, a certain clarity that I've wanted on a certain subject, just to give me that straightforward. Yes, this is this is the sign. This is where you should go. This is what will happen if you choose this path. And I don't know. That would be 
pretty interesting as well. But not Ahaz. <laughs> yeah, what does Ahaz say, right? The same thing Jesus says. Yeah. Isn't that, the, isn't that like the, the weird part about the passage, though, right? Yeah, and we, we uh, just heard this this past weekend on temptation of Jesus. Right, because that's how Jesus responds to the, the, the devil when he tempts him in the wilderness. He shall pot, not put the Lord your God to the test. He quotes the exact same passage. And, and, and Jesus, of course, he has the benefit of being the Son of God, so so properly used, but Ahaz uses it, and you'd think, man, would, wouldn't God be happy about this, right? Yeah, he's trying to, like, come off all pious, I think, right? Yeah. Isn't that kind of the way you guys take it, too? Yeah, because then the Lord says something about, like, his response is wearying God. Is it too little for you to weary men that, that you weary my God also? So this makes it seem that it's not the response that God wanted from him. Well, if we look at it, I mean, we just mentioned the, uh, the devil and, and Jesus in the wilderness. That's the devil trying to tempt the Lord, and the Lord saying, don't, don't, do not tempt the Lord your God. This is God telling someone to do something, and he says, ah, I don't think I want to put the Lord my God to the test. That's a little bit different, right? I mean, this is coming from God, telling you to do this, and you say, eh, I don't think so. That's what I can't figure out. Why? Why would Ahaz not do what? It's got to be some God kind tells of him to do ulterior motive, right? Like thinking, maybe, like maybe he's trying to, maybe he's trying to outsmart himself or outsmart God to say, "Ooh, he's put, he's testing me by asking this of me to see if I'm really going to do it." Like you said, maybe trying to prove his own piety or to show that he doesn't have to listen to a command from the Lord. I don't know. I mean, it could be that, or it, it could just be he doesn't take Isaiah seriously at all, right? I mean, like, Ahaz isn't a good king. We, we established that one, but the reasons he's not a good king is he, he doesn't, doesn't worship at the temple, and gosh, it gets even worse than that, right? He, he ends up worshiping Molech. And, and for those of you following along at home, right, when, there's one way you worship Molech. It involves children and fire, and it doesn't end well. You know what I'm saying? So... I mean, Ahaz isn't exactly somebody who we would classify as being a, well, a God-fearer at all. So you have this prophet, Isaiah, who comes to you from the old gods, not the new ones, right? Because maybe, maybe you are playing 3D chess like, like he thinks he's playing, right? Like, God's, God's trying to test me by testing me, by, giving me, by telling me I should need a, a sign. So um, ah, I know the right response. I'll be pious. Or maybe in his experience with these other gods, you, you, know, you don't tempt them. Maybe that, you know, because they seem to be a little bit more uh, tied up in those rituals like you were talking about yeah. there, that uh, maybe tempting the gods is not necessarily the best thing to do. Yeah, you don't want to send them off into some angry rampage or something like that. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of what you were saying? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I kind of wonder if this is, is like, a well, God's too busy, I don't want to bother him. I mean, do you kind of get some of that sense out of this too? Possibly. Where he kind of says, why is it too little for you to weary men that you should weary my God also? Or am I just missing that one? I mean, sometimes I get the, well, if that's the case, sometimes people come up to me and be like, oh, pastor, you're so busy. I don't want to bother you with this. When it's like clearly pastoral care situation. Like, I need communion, but you're way too busy. It's like, no, come on. It's what we do here. Yeah. Would you mind if I dropped everything and did this? Because I want to do that. Oh, gosh, yeah. God's too busy. Anyway, I, he's way wrong. So God sends in a... Yeah, no matter psych- what the reason, of whatever our speculation is, he's wrong. That's the 
I'm going to do it anyway. That's what God said. <laughs> that's, that's what he says. Like, fine, you're not going to ask for one? Here's your sign. <laughs> I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> Here we go. And it's a pretty good sign. I'm, I'm glad we get to hear about it. Yeah. 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 Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. We've heard that one uh, cited every Christmas. Probably one of the ones you read you know, in Lessons and Carols, Brian. Uh, yeah. I'm fairly oh, familiar yeah. with Isaiah from Lessons and Carols. At least it's, are we going to get to my favorite verse with the adder's den and the cockatrice and the... I don't know. That's my favorite Christmas wait story. and find out. The cockatrice's you know, den. When lions and fat calves and <laughs> they're all playing together. There are some cool passages similar to that, though, but need imagery. That is a, but yeah, that is an Isaiah passage for sure, I think. I don't know if that's one we'll be talking about. Um, so in this passage, we have that prophecy and then... Then it jumps almost immediately to the part that nobody else remembers, like the verse after this. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right? He Who shall eat. and honey. Yeah, when he, when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. Before the boy knows how to uh, refuse the evil and choose to go to the land, the two kings you dread will be deserted. Uh, so this goes to show just some truth about prophecies in general uh, during Old Testament times, and that is how they sometimes had two fulfillments, or we're talking about two things simultaneously. They had like a near fulfillment, and then they also at the same time were kind of pointing future towards a much further Christ-centered fulfillment. Or in other situations in the prophecies, sometimes if you have talk about a message concerning judgment. Sometimes you'd have, you know, judgment for this near immediate time, but then it would also hold true towards the the last days as well. So you have kind of these double fulfillments going on, and this is definitely one of them. Because, you know, we don't hear about Jesus knowing how to choose the curd and refuse evil and choose good with two kings. You know, we never hear that part of it fulfilled. So that means it must be getting fulfilled with something else. So for the more historical context of this, because it references the two kings, that would be referencing the divided kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, right? No, I don't, I don't think in this, in this specific case, you're not really worried about that if you're, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're the southern kingdom. If you're the southern kingdom, I think you're more worried about the pact between Assyria and Egypt, right? Um, Okay. Babylon's just not not a, a major world player yet, but Assyria's just taken down. Like when Ahaz rules, the the Assyrian and Egyptian sort of alliance has now taken down the northern kingdom, and they're standing at your border. And so that okay. that's what Ahaz is is kind of dealing with in terms of the international thing that the, the international scene that's playing out in front of him. I mean, it's 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 got to be utterly frightening, to be perfectly honest. So I I think. When he talks about the land whose two kings you dread, which does come to be fulfilled. Um, so I, I guess this kind of jumps us ahead then a little bit in terms of discussion, because how is this fulfilled in the near side of this? It's in the, the person of Cyrus, the Persian ruler. By the time Cyrus comes about, Assyria is desolate because Babylon's already come through and kicked them out of the whole world scene. They're, they never come about again. So yeah, before this prophecy even begins to be fulfilled, everyone, all the kings who, who Ahaz would dread are, they're nothing. They're, they're absolutely nothing. Okay, so. that makes a lot more sense now. So does that mean uh, Cyrus was born of a virgin? Does that mean Cyrus was born of a virgin? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Does it? 
His midichlorian count was very high. His midichlorian count was off the chart. Wait, is that canon? Did we successfully get that part removed from Star Wars canon? I can't remember. No, we didn't. Instead, we got Force Healing and Palpatine clones. I mean, more than Force Healing. I I mean, I'm going to go off book here. I, you know what really grinds my gears? What? When Leia was able to, like, resurrect herself in the middle of space, but she couldn't save herself then in the last movie. There's a major gaping plot hole right there. Am I right? Oh, uh, Carrie Fisher died. I understand. <laughs> <sighs> so maybe they wanted to do it, more? It okay. ruined the whole narrative that they wanted I'm, to tell in that third sure. All right. But, Anyways. Anyway, back in the Is it possible that we could do an episode on the book of Isaiah without getting completely off topic. I don't think so. And I don't want to live in that world. (laughs) (laughs) Have we had feedback about that? I don't know. I haven't heard any feedback about that. We will this time. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, here we go. The nerds Let us know in the comments down below. The nerds are talking (laughs) about Star Wars. (laughs) Well, I'm the one that started this whole thing. That's your senior pastor, folks. That's right. Always a light moment. All right, so my question for you guys is, does that mean Cyrus was also born of a virgin? It's a possibility, isn't it? I would say wholeheartedly no. I mean, come on! What do you mean? What? You believe in midichlorian counts? I believe in midichlorian counts. (laughs) Of course I do. All right, no more Star Wars right now. Serious question. Serious question. Serious question. So you're a no. Defend your no. Well... We only know, well, we know for sure there's only one virgin birth, right? Ever? Jesus. That's always the right answer. Good work. You could, you passed Sunday school. Yeah. Yay, Yay, I'm done. I'm muting my mic the rest of the episode. <laughs> so then why does it say virgin? Like, why would that, how do we reconcile that? Yeah, so that just goes back to the Hebrew language where you have the word for virgin there can be translated in a bunch of different ways. It can also just mean young woman or maiden, uh, someone that would be in the age where you might first be able to have children. So mm-hmm. that's that's what it referenced. I think it's a no also. So that's what I think it's referenced in the near-time prophecy. So um, Cyrus, if Cyrus is the fulfillment of this, which I believe he is, then you know, probably was born from his mother to very, when his mother was very young. And then that young kind of handmaiden sort of age there. So then what happens then is you go to Matthew's gospel and when Matthew cites this, so he gives us more precision as to how to translate this. So when he says, you know, this actually refers to Jesus right after telling about how Mary was a virgin, he says, oh, yeah, now I see that's actually meant to be the word virgin instead of young woman or maiden and also pointing directly to Christ. So it kind of, it, again, is a both and in that regard. So this too. goes back to your your double pronged prophecy thing that a prophecy Absolutely. can have the short term again with Cyrus coming in. These two kings are now gone, and this is even worse than those ever could have been. And the long term, as in the the prophecy of of Christ's birth. Yeah, you got it. Okay. Yep, one in the near future, in the you know couple hundred years, and the other one seven several hundred years afterwards. Yep. I think that's going to greatly affect the way that we go through the rest of this book. For me, it is at least to try and look, try to find those to see what what's going to be immediate. What could it also mean further down the line? It's kind of that's a fun little little game to play. Yeah, and again, you can see this 
I think specifically, like we said, with the judgment sort of themes, the day of the Lord passages, and then some other words of Jesus even fall into that same category where he's speaking about things in the near future that also could, could seem to apply towards the last days or toward the end of time, too. It's a general function of all biblical prophecy, yeah. as a matter of fact. It, it, it's, so, like, there, were, there was always the thought, I, I remember when I was growing up, there was always the thought that the prophecy only has, like, the one fulfillment, right? I mean, that's like the Star Wars thing, right? There will be one that brings balance to the Force, and then we argue whether it's Anakin or Luke, right? But anyways, I don't it know. Was, was it Anakin? Settled? It was Anakin, or was it? It doesn't. That doesn't matter, right? I mean, it probably but changed with the canon. That's and... how. That's how we typically think of even biblical prophecy, but that's not actually how it works, right? So biblical prophecy is always this. There's sort of like the shades of fulfillment that come around from time to time, but ultimately we know where it leads. It finds its ultimate fulfillment in Jesus, right? So, so we know that it always leads there, but you can always point in just about every other prophecy. Like, I, the, there's got to be some way you could even finagle Isaiah chapter 7 to, I don't know, talk about Alexander the Great. I don't know. Might, might be possible. Yeah, one think, that will come and bring kings to ruin. And... Right, exactly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And he was born of a young woman, I'm pretty sure. But anyways, the point is, right, this is this specific words, they're, they're about Cyrus. They're ultimately about Jesus. But you're going to go through the rest of Isaiah's prophecy, and you're going to find at least one other person in human history who in some way, shape, or form fulfills these things. But you know who you find them all in? Jesus. And, and I think that's the thing to kind of take away, and that, that's the thing to consider when it comes to prophecy, and specifically the, the future-telling prophecy kind of thing. I know we talked about this uh, amongst ourselves uh, in some preparation for this, but it's, it is amazing, and I love that statistical analysis that's been done before. I'm sure you guys have heard it at some point in time, of the odds of these prophecies all being fulfilled in one person, it gets down to like the, the one in, you can't even count how many zeros are behind it kind of statistic. I, yeah. I just think that's, oh, if only 10 of them were fulfilled, it's a one in one whatever millionth possibility. But if all of them are fulfilled in one person, it's crazy, astronomical. For only eight of those prophecies to be fulfilled, it would be like covering the whole state of Texas in quarters up a full foot deep and then picking out the one particular quarter. That's the odds? Yeah, that's the odds. That's for one in eight. That's one in eight. And we're talking one in what, 600 something? 700 something? How many are there? Uh, I've heard over 300. There's a count, There's yeah. a count somewhere, but I don't have that off the top of my head. I don't even, I think that might it's be a, like yeah. even direct prophecies, not even just like the allegorical ones that are literally right. all over every single page. So. And all of the typology. Right? Yeah. Like everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. It all points to Christ. One of my favorite words in this passage, too, is the word Emmanuel. I love that description of the name of God as well. Im means uh, with in Hebrew. Manu is kind of the way in which you talk about pronouns. Manu is uh, with us. And then El is the, the word for, for God. So, uh, with us, God is how you translate that in the original language there. And that's how we spun off today at Christmas time, is Emmanuel is God with us. 
And I've always really liked that and appreciated that. So I think that's a, a good sign of, of comfort and hope in today's day and age as well, just because so many things in life that we go through are rough. And so the solution isn't to just try and be better at them or try and avoid them. I mean, that would be kind of theology of glory talk, but the theology of the cross says, yeah, suffering exists, but what's our remedy to that is that we have a God who's with us through all of that suffering and trial and tribulation. And that kind of comes back around to Ahaz not wanting a sign from the Lord is kind of how like when we have suffering, we try and deal with it ourselves. But really, whenever we have suffering, we should take it to the Lord in prayer. Yeah, absolutely. And when you look at the entirety of this passage that we've just read here, that of, of what unfolds, right? That God wants Ahaz to ask for a sign. Ahaz says no. God provides the sign anyway. And what's the sign that he provides? That's what we're just talking about. We've got Emmanuel, God with us, speaking this to a man who does not recognize the, the God of Isaiah here. Um, and then also this prophecy of the the coming uh, ruler who's going to conquer the lands. And, and I mean, it's going to go directly against Ahaz and his country. Just kind of an interesting juxtaposition there that God asked you to ask for a sign. You said no. Well, <laughs> then here's the sign you're going to get. I think it's kind of fitting. Yeah, that it is. You guys have anything else on this passage here? I'm tapped out. I don't have anything else. Okay. Well, well you guys if are Isaac probably... has nothing else, then I don't think there's anything well, else to say. Well, yeah, right. And you guys have enough on your plate, too. So what's going on this weekend here for you guys? I'm going to leave this one to Isaac because it's his big moment. So the LYF has their big spaghetti dinner this weekend uh, right after 5 o'clock church on Saturday. And we'll be feeding everyone spaghetti and then afterwards we'll have a skit. Go ahead and start painting crosses on your shields and bring in your chain mail because we're going on a crusade to Detroit. Crusade to Detroit. Yeah, My interest has peaked. It's pretty intense. So um, th this, that's all that I have heard about this skit. That's as much. So I don't know any other details about what the plot line is or anything like that. But well, Isaac has got like just gigantic ear-to-ear -ear smile on his face right now. So, so I'll tell you. Funny. I'll share this with you. Just a little hint. Okay. We're going on a crusade to Detroit. It involves Ephesians chapter six. Ah, excellent. I so translate you, that one. Yep. For all of you with your Bible, go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter six, and you'll get it. Cool. That should be fun. So that's this Saturday. Um, there's going to be a silent auction as well. So. So come one, come all, get some spaghetti, throw money at the youth. That's what this is all about. Let's help support them on this mission trip to go to Detroit to help, you know, serve our fellow man. Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but my high school faith life greatly impacted where I'm at today. Had a lot of fantastic experiences on serving events and things in high school. Had one, have I told you guys about these? No, I don't think me. so. Okay, well, probably the one that impacted me the most was uh, we went on a servant event to Bethesda Lutheran Homes and Services in Wisconsin. And they're a facility that works with mentally and physically handicapped people. And they had on their property like an outdoor camp. They called the Camp Mons. And so they would shuttle out a couple dozen, I would say, of their residents with, and we were talking like severe mental, physical handicaps. And they would just spend one week camping as opposed to living in their hmm. institutional dorms and rooms and stuff. And all they did was they just paired each one of us as youth with one of these adults. And we just got to learn them, uh, le learn more about them as people and see them for people instead of kind of the surface stuff that we 
tend to think about on the outside with them. It was just a really fantastic experience. Just opened my eyes to see see people in a new light and learn about myself and about God too. Uh, it was it was cool. Again, part of the reason why I'm here today. Not to mention the youth gatherings. It's kind of the opposite effect. You know, we had the small scale with that, and then the youth gatherings and the big side of it too. Yeah, that sounds like a really cool opportunity with that camp. It is, and I I just learned sadly that it uh, got sold and is no longer there. Oh. oh. Yeah. Just found out about that a couple of weeks ago, sadly. Otherwise, I was going to recommend that at a for a future server event at some point. But anyway, so uh, yeah, we've got definitely the... a good time to invest in, in the life of high schoolers right now because they can definitely make a big Absolutely. impact in their future for sure. A really important thing, uh, support our youth so they can support others and feed themselves on that support, if that made any sense. <laughs> Spiritually feed ourselves. Spiritually feed themselves. As, as we feed as they you. feed you spaghetti. Ha ha. Good job. Ha, ha. I'm not going to let you get to it before I do. Okay, fine. <laughs> Come on, give them the credit. So, uh, in addition to the spaghetti dinner, what's going on? What else is going on coming up this week? We got worship this weekend. So we got uh, church, as Isaac said, 5 p.m. And then Sunday we're back at 8 a.m., 10.30 a.m., Bible class in between. I also sat in the first time in the adult Bible study series this past Sunday. Uh, with uh, Reverend Wittenberger. He's doing a really good job going That's through the, the letters of the churches of Revelation there. Mm, yeah. Good stuff. Uh, solid, very practical uh, elements to it as well. He's a retired pastor that uh, has connected with our congregation a little bit. Revelation's kind of his baby, so it's it's going to be a, a neat series to walk through this Lent. Uh, had strong attendance there too, so you might want to come early and get your seat <laughs> if you'd want. So they had uh, seven of our tables were all full. Out oh, of wow. the nine that we had set up. Pretty good. So that's awesome. And then as always, of course, during the Lenten season, we have services on Wednesday, uh, 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. And before that 7 p.m. service, what do we always have? Some food. Some food. The most important, most important part of the day, right? 5.45, yep. we've got a Lenten dinner. And what's coming up this week? Uh, yeah, so next week, Wednesday, we're going to be having the mystery meal sponsored by the church staff. Oh. Ooh. And I can't say anything more than that. Is there going to be some mystery meat? Does it involve Ephesians 6? It does not involve mystery meat, as far as I know. Is there a biblical reference you can give me? There is not. Dang it. So I can't ask you listeners to go and search more. Milk and honey? That would be pretty cool. I mean, you could just go with like the Peter and Cornelius, just as long as something in there isn't kosher. Oh, there you go. Too bad it's not like coming down from heaven in a white sheet. That would be cool. That would be really cool. We Let's do have make a restaurant cloths. like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what would you call that? Hmm. Take and eat? No, I, I don't know. Rise, Peter, kill and eat? <laughs> Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Yeah. Maybe an interesting name for a restaurant. All right, and with that, um, we got off topic with Star Wars today, and we got off topic even during our Lenten meal announcements. That was pretty good. Good job, guys. That's right. That's what we're here for. Get you off topic, Brian. <laughs> Need you to, to yeah, bear that torch faithfully. Keep us on task. You got it. I'll steer this ship. I'm All right. doing a good job so far. All right, so let's wrap it up with prayer. Let's pray. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we again thank you for your gift of prophecy uh, that you provide to your people and for promising the Emmanuel, uh, Jesus Christ, as the fulfillment of that prophecy in the, your son's birth at Christmas time. And maybe we just continue to be reminded of that truth in just the name that you promised to give to Jesus in that book of Isaiah. 
that we have a God that is indeed with us uh, in every step of the way and everything that we are going through as well. Uh, Bless us as we enter into the weekend now and continue to guide and direct our steps. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.